You know, George, I think one day when you play that piano, smoke is going to come out of that thing. I know, but I still, I just think, you know, I just imagine one day. Did you all see the choir behind? I, mean, I know you're out here now, but didn't they look good back here, folks? You know? Yeah. And let me just say something to you. When you deal, obviously, we're all in this together. One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And we are in this together in terms of transition with Eastside. And thank you, thank you, thank you for how you're dealing and handling that as well. You know, when I said that, I am teaching, Pastor, but I'm still the, your, your guy, you know. I'm not going anywhere, and I'm excited about that. Well, you're sweet, you know. And so, but you know, we may be rotating a little bit. Now, Connie and I were gone last week uh, celebrating. We went to Pigeon Forge and, and celebrated 43 years of marriage. She's put up with me 43 years. And so we just got away and just enjoyed the time together. I know Gary Bates. I envy Gary Bates' mind. He's brilliant in what he teaches and how he teaches. And an incredible guy based right out of here in Powder Springs with the Creation Ministries internationally. He's a member of our church, and so we were excited to be able to get him to come. He's also preached quite a few times on the Lower Roswell Road campus and done some studies as well. But you know, when you deal with transition, and all of our staff have done just an incredible, incredible job. But I, I will say a special thank you to Keith, let me tell you, because from the very beginning, Keith Barnes has come into this and not only been excited about it, has worked with Daryl Whipple at Eastside and has worked with you all as choir and led you. And then he and Daryl and mostly Keith prepare these worship services and get them ready. And, and folks, these are prepared now days and weeks in advance. We know what we're doing through Christmas and January and others. We're waiting on senior pastor because obviously it's the senior pastor who will guide what will happen when you come to deal with specific things in worship. But at the same time, this man has led you all and continues to lead you all with the singing Christmas tree and whatever. And as a result, from his leadership and Lisa alongside of him, you saw the choir right behind us. And would you just express your appreciation to Keith? Thank you, my brother. I appreciate and love you both. And Lisa, we are fortunate to have... Both of them, let me tell you. When I think of the manger, I think of Jesus. God became man. And then I think of Joseph, who in fact was the surrogate father of God on this earth. And I remember Mary, the young virgin. The Parthenos in the Greek, that's the word, means a young girl. 12 to maybe 14, 15, 13, but still very young. But whom God chose to be the birth mother of His one and only Son. You know, in John 3.16, that one and only part is a Greek. It says monogene. You'll not find that used in the New Testament other than reference to God Himself and to the Son of God. Why? Because it was the only Son God would ever have. And then I remember the shepherds as they hurried off from the appearance of the stratia, the Greek, the heavenly host. 
You remember last year and the past years, I dealt specifically with this in sharing with you about the statia, the amount of angels that they saw. So everyone at the manger, Jesus, Mary, and the shepherd, had all three things in common. They came, they saw, and they believed. Well, over these last few weeks, as we were looking toward Advent, and especially as Jamie Comer, Comer did the Advent wreaths a couple weeks ago, and as Jamie and I were talking, the words, come, see, and believe, kept resonating through my brain. And then a few weeks ago, it hit me. Everyone who came to that manger, the shepherds, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, had to do those three things. They did come. They did see. And they did believe. But how? Over these next few weeks, as we move in this Advent season, This morning, I just want to talk to you about the shepherds. Next Sunday, I want to talk to you about Mary and Joseph. And the the three points of each of these sermons will be come, see, and believe. Now, on the 13th, we'll be at the Lower Roswell Road campus. But then on the 20th, right before Christmas, the title of the message is the Son of God. You ever thought about that? Jesus, come. He came. You went from heaven, but he saw. That's an interesting. Jesus believed. I want to show you that one. And then finally, after Christmas on the 27th, the exact same three points under the title, One Church, Three Campuses. Then how do we come? How do we see and how do we believe and what should be the result of one church and three campuses as a result of that? The angels had just appeared to the shepherds. The Greeks said they're the stratia. Actually, the heavenly host in verse 12 of chapter 2 of Luke, and that's where I am. And if you look at stratia and you study that word, you will find out that it means an army of angels. And according to Daniel chapter 7 and Psalm chapter 68, an army like that, this same word that's translated in the Old Testament means 10,000 times 10,000. If you do the multiplication, that's 100 million. Wow. Wow. Can you just imagine, folks, what it was like? There was the message to these lonely, dirty, and smelly shepherds. You're going to find a babe. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's lying in the manger. And these shepherds were the first and the only visitors of the manger of Jesus in Bethlehem. Remember the wise men. They came years later, not to the manger, They came when Jesus was a young child, not a baby, according to Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. 
It uses the term padia or padian in the Greek, which is a word that describes a young child just before puberty. So we know the wise men did not come. People, you would say in this series, why are you not talking about the wise men? That's why I'm dealing strictly with the manger. So this morning, I want you to come back with me and let me show you something about these shepherds, how they came, how they saw And how they believed, because for them it was life-altering, and they would never be the same again. If you were a shepherd in the first century, you were on the lowest, lowest rung of the social ladder. You were dirty. You were smelly. If you were a shepherd, you were considered to be ceremonially unclean. You could not go to Jerusalem and participate in the temple because of the fact that you were a shepherd. And if you were a shepherd in the first century and you were the only witness to a crime, your testimony was inadmissible in court because of your social status as a shepherd. Interesting, isn't it? So in the eyes of so many people, an angel of God, one, much less a hundred million, would never appear to a shepherd. They were seldom found praising and worshiping God. As a result, these men were looked upon so many times anything but worshipers. Religious people snubbed them and they ignored them. They were despised because they were unable to attend services and keep the ceremonial laws of washing and cleansing. And their flocks just kept them too busy. But what a foretaste, folks of salvation to come, that God gave the message of His Son to those common, dirty, smelly shepherds, those people who were looked upon as sinners. Wow. The social standing of a shepherd then. Zero. Then. But God was about to change all of that. And in so doing, there were three things that happened. You got the outline. If you remember these three words, you got your outline down for the next four or five, four weeks together as we preach. The first is found in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. And it says, come, listen to the word of God. When the angels had left them, the shepherds, and returned to heaven, The shepherds said one to another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the babe who was lying in the feeding trough. The three things I want to tell you about this word come. First of all, these shepherds, the statement is used here, go straight to now, you get this, folks, you've just been visited by a hundred million angels. <laughs> and they tell you to go to Bethlehem and see a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. What are you going to do? Go to Bethlehem. You're not going to sit there and say, uh, yeah, well, no. The Bible says they went straight to Bethlehem. 
Their focus was to get there. That's all they needed to see. There was a baby there. He was lying in a feeding trough. They had been told by the angels that he was Jesus the Messiah, the one and only Son of God, and absolutely nothing or no one was going to stop them from seeing the baby, the infant, Jesus. Have you ever thought about something? What happened to the sheep? Y'all ever think about stuff like that? Now, we are not told how many shepherds there were. We believe maybe three, four, two, I don't know. The Bible says, according to a witness, even though the shepherd's witness was indemnissible in court, it must be substantiated by two to three witnesses or one to two witnesses. And with the individual, a total of three. So we believe that maybe there were three shepherds. Why? Because in a minute I want to share with you the very fact of how they reported the message. The word straight here means to go straight. It means to pass through. It's like playing the game of Monopoly. Go straight through. Go. I mean, get to it. Exactly where you're going. In other words, these lowly, lowly, filthy, smelly shepherds were the first to be introduced to the little baby in the swaddling clothes lying in the feeding trough because they went straight to. The second word as part of come is not only go straight to, but obey. Obey. What did they do? They did what the angels told them to do. They went straight there. They did exactly what God said through those angels to do. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Folks, don't ever forget of the power of obedience. So in their coming, God told them to do something. And they went straight to And they obeyed God. But in the third place, as far as come is concerned, do you sense the word urgency here? Actually, the word is used in the Greeks. Budo, or it's pronounced S-P-E-U-D-O. Some of our, in our sporting goods, pronounce it speedo. It is a word that means to do something quickly. To run, to go with haste. So verse 16 of chapter 2, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph. They hurried off. They didn't wait. They obeyed. How would it be if we as children of God in this earth went straight to doing what God said by obeying Him with such an urgency that nothing, not even the gates of hell, could stop us from doing what God told us to do. That's what it took for those shepherds to come. One hundred million angels in the sky, and they say, go to Bethlehem. And those shepherds go straight to, they immediately obey with an urgency that they skittled, they hurried, they went quickly. Such an urgency was not the usual trade of a shepherd. He just didn't get in a hurry. He knew the times he was to be with the flock. He knew the routine to take care of his sheep. The sheep knew the shepherd. The shepherd knew the sheep. The same thing each shift. He just didn't really get in a hurry. But you know something? 
when those guys out in the field saw a hundred million angels fill the sky, all of a sudden they got in a hurry. And the word says, they were afraid, but not fearing from the standpoint of terrified. They were fearing because they, they were standing in the very awe of God. I mean, they went out to do their work. They just minding their own business. What would be different from them? There's a second word. Not only is there come, but I want you to write this word down. The word see. It's verses 17 and 18. After seeing them, when they got to the manger, after seeing Mary and Joseph and the baby, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it, watch this, were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. When you look at the word see, after seeing them, the first thing, and I, and I write three more words under these three, under, under the word see, to help us understand what happened to these men. They did see. I use the word in the past tense, saw. Something happened to these men when they saw Jesus. And when a person sees Jesus, something happens to them. In the Greek, the word see there is a word that means to not only look at somebody, like I'm looking at y'all right now, it means look with an intent to do something about it. Makes a difference. It's not just gazing. It's not just glancing around and seeing who's here. It's, it's, it's looking at someone and pointing them out. A little while ago, I asked Miss Irene over here a few minutes ago, how was her Thanksgiving? Or I said, happy Thanksgiving. And she responded, well, how, did, I, did I say to Irene, hey, Irene, no, why, why? I look this way, right at Irene over there. Because I'm looking straight at her. That's the word see. You see, you pick them out. These shepherds picked Jesus out. They knew exactly who He was. But then there's this word, the Bible says, that they not only saw, they reported. Verse 17, after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. Diagnorizo is the Greek language. It says to report the rhema, the message, the good news. Tell the people what's going on. And now, here are those three men, perhaps, or four. All three of them, not just one in the court system, mind you, but all three of them now were reporting. So when they come and all three of them report the same thing, that's valid. It's been validated by each other. The people knew exactly the report. The report, the word that's actually used as a courtroom term, used to report action in either a crime or specific a witness to what had happened. The message, the rhema, and to say that's fact, it's so ironic. This is the same word that Jesus uses when he stands before Pilate in Matthew twenty-seven fourteen, and Jesus did not utter a word, a message before Pontius Pilate. So even at the manger, we foreshadow the cross. 
And then there's another word that's used in these verses. The word is amazed. Amazed. In the Greek language, it just simply means their mouths dropped. You know, what would we have done, folks, if we'd have been out in the field? As a matter of fact, we've just left worship here in just a few minutes between our worship and life groups, and we, we, we go out and all of a sudden there's a hundred million angels in the sky. What would y'all do? For some of us, we might run and hide because we don't know what's going on, but can you imagine what these men had just seen? But then watch what happens. Don't miss this at Christmas or any time. Those shepherds find that baby just that those hundred million angels had told them they would find. And when they found Jesus, that's where the word amazed in the Greek is used. It's not used of the angels. It's used of the Son of God. Now, folks, that speaks volumes to me. Angels are created beings to glorify God, to point people to God. And here's a prime example of exactly what was happening. Those angels were pointing those shepherds to God the Father who had just incarnated Himself. In the flesh, God had become man. And as a result, the Greek language, the writer uses the word amazed. Dirty, smelly, lowest on the social scale and ladder, shepherds are standing there with their mouths dropped. Oh, folks, I hope this Christmas you have a mouth-dropping experience with the Lord Jesus. I hope one night as you're sitting at home and you might be alone or your family together or something, God is just going to bring what we said this morning back to your mind and you're going to just sit there and you're going to say, wow, that's exactly what happened to the shepherds. There's a third word. It's found in verses 19 and 20. And yes, the third word. What happened about the understanding of the word believe. Look at verse 19 and 20. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard just as they had been told. When the shepherds came to the manger, As you look in these verses, what you will understand and what you will see is the word Lord. L-O-R-D. These shepherds knew something that many in that day and time did not know about what was happening at that manger. That's what I believe. Because of the use of the word kurios, Lord. Because when these guys came to the manger, they worshipped what the Lord God had told them. They worshipped Jesus as Lord. There was a belief there. 
They were obedient. They went straight to Bethlehem. But when they got to the manger, something happened to them. It's called being amazed. And now belief set in. Yes, because they saw it. But I am convinced they believed before they ever left the shepherd's field to get to the manger. And then all of a sudden, Luke the physician takes the writing and goes back to Mary. The focus, yes, has been on Jesus and rightly so. And then, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Twelve or thirteen-year-old Parthenos, a virgin, had just given birth. It's a very beautiful how Luke. Mary's heart is one of pure, heartfelt reflection. Everything she was was lifted up to God in worship in that place. Mary, can you imagine, just couldn't take her eyes off of that little infant Jesus. And when you hold a baby in your arms, do you hold a baby looking like this? No. Who are you looking at? Right in the eyes of that dog. Baby, listen. When I held Michael Cheek the first time in my life and I had a hug, I would, my eyes, I couldn't, I don't know what was going on around me. All, all I saw was the eyes of that little guy that I couldn't pick up now if I wanted to. When I hold Bethany Cheek, or now Bethany LeClaire, in my arms, the exact same thing. My focus, no offense to anybody around me, but Connie and I's focus together was on that little girl No bigger than a peanut that I still to this day called peanut. Why? Because I was treasuring all, everything that had happened. The nine months even before. The years leading up to the time. And that's exactly what Mary was doing, folks. She had been through so much. She's pregnant. She's not married. And the possibility of being found out and rumors upon rumors, the discussions with Joseph and with her parents, the long trip from Nazareth, the exhaustion of giving birth without any help in a smelly stable, the visit of some rough-hewn shepherds with an amazing story about heavenly hosts proclaiming the praises of God and sending them to Him. Mary was tired. She was weary. She was exhausted. So much had happened to her. And no one could begin to even think the thoughts that filled her mind. But right now, she was filled with wonder, with praise, with adoration. The word treasured here means to preserve. It does mean to meditate. But if you hear what Mary's doing and what Luke is saying here, Mary treasured, preserved forever all that was happening in her heart. Wow. And not only did Mary treasure those things, then what happened to the shepherds? The shepherds returned. You know, one day Christmas will be over. And we will have to return to the normal, I guess we say, part of life. 
Those shepherds were extremely verbal in their praise and adoration to God because of what they said. They shepherds had came, had come. They saw what God told them. They proclaimed their findings. They turned back, however, to their jobs. But this time when they went back, there was a new song on their hearts. It was a song of praising God. And that's my prayer for all of us is that when it's all said and done this season of Advent, folks, we will return to our normality in our life brand new because once again we've been in the presence of God. Which brings me to that third word as part of this last point, worship. What those guys do. Now remember I told you in the beginning you usually never saw shepherds worshiping? They weren't permitted in the temple. Why? Ceremonially unclean because of what they did. But what was their response? Their response was praise and adoration of worship. One thing don't you ever, ever, ever forget. Worship does not exist for man. Let me say that again. Worship does not exist for man. Man and woman, mankind, exists to worship God. So many times we've reversed it. I didn't even get a thing out of that worship service. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. And I think to myself, folks, worship is not for you. Worship, man exists to worship God. Why did he tell us don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together so you can have some kind of big party and fellowship together? No, God wanted his church together so we can worship him. That's what the Bible says. That's what these shepherds did. They existed to worship God. And those men that you would never, ever expect to see on their knees have now fallen on their knees to God in the flesh in that little bitty manger. I love the writings of Max Lucado. And he wrote a book, and it's been out quite a while. It's called The Applause of Heaven. But something he put, I wrote specifically, and I want to share it with you. He said these words, A small cathedral outside of Bethlehem marks the supposed birthplace of Jesus. And behind the high altar in the church is a cave, a little cavern lit by silver lamps. And you can enter the main edifice and admire the ancient church, or you can also enter the quiet cave where a star embedded in the floor recognizes the quiet place of the birth of the king. But there is one stipulation. You have to stoop down. The door is low, so you can't go in standing up. And I think of those shepherds. You know, they went to that manger, folks, obeying, going straight. They saw the very fact that he was born. And they couldn't stand up any longer. Their hearts were broken in awe and reverence, and they worshiped. 
That's what I pray for all of us this Christmas. That we like the shepherds, we like Mary, we like Joseph, would come to that place in our life where we realize just like those men, yes, they came standing up, but they left on their knees. Notice something else about those shepherds. They left that field that night and they were excited about what they would find and they returned later singing and praising God. You know, I think like this. The sheep know the shepherd. You understand that? Everybody agree? Okay, the sheep know the shepherd. I just think the sheep realize, who are these guys that's showing back up? They're not the same guys that just left. Man, something happened to these men. And I think to myself, I wish that could be said of all of us. People look at us and say, where you been? Something's changing in your life. And you can say, oh, let me tell you, it started at a manger. It went to a cross and an empty tomb. Now it's at the right hand of the Father. And that's why you see that change in my life. When a person meets Jesus, everything, everything changes. So what have we seen? Three simple words about these shepherds. Come, see, and believe. That's what I desire for you and me for Christmas. A.J. Gordon was the great Baptist pastor of the Clarendon Church in Boston, Massachusetts. And one day, he met a young boy in front of the sanctuary carrying a rusty cage in which several birds fluttered nervously. And the pastor Gordon inquired, son, where did you get those birds? And the boy said, I I trapped them out there in the field. Well, what are you going to do with them? He says, I'm going to play with them, and then I guess I'll just feed them to an old cat we have at home. Well, when Gordon offered to buy them, the lad exclaimed, Now, mister, you don't want them. They're just old, wild birds. Why, they can't even sing very well. The wise pastor says, I give you $2 for the cage and the birds. But the guy says, okay, it's a deal, but you're making a bad bargain. The exchange was made, and the boy went away whistling happy with his shiny coins and the money that he had. And Gordon walked around to the back of the church property, opened the door of the small wire coop, and let the struggling creatures soar into the blue sky. And the next Sunday in his church, he took the empty cage into the pulpit and used it to illustrate his sermon about Christ coming, about how the people see and how they're supposed to believe and save the lost. And what Jesus Christ did for you and me with His own blood. And He said, you know, that boy told me these birds were not songsters. The pastor said, when I released them and they winged their way up in the sky, it seemed to me that they were singing that incredible song, redeemed, 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 redeemed. This is Advent. And the message of this season is the song of those wild birds. I think it needs to be sung in every carol this season. Every time we stand to sing, we never forget that those carols are written because of what? We are 
redeemed. We've been set free. It's the word of the shepherds heard. It's the assurance Mary received. And it's the very fact of the belief that you and I have because of this word. May your Christmas be a Christmas this year filled with the time of the shepherds as they came and as they saw and as they believed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these shepherds minding their own business, doing their own thing. Lord, so many times that's exactly what's happening in our lives. We are doing our own thing. And then, Father, you come around us in your presence as though you've never left us. And, Father, we have that moment where just like these shepherds, their mouth dropped, we were amazed. And I pray this year, this Christmas Advent season, we'll have that kind of experience like these shepherds had. So help us come, Lord. Help us to see with the intent of doing something about it. And then may our belief change every fiber of our being. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. This morning, I